0: Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. We're going to look at Psalm 94 today. It's one of those psalms that's hard for us. Because it's a psalm that deals with God being a God of vengeance and justice, and we just don't really have a good category for that. Our relatively safe life in this world makes this psalm hard. But most of human history has had to deal with the question of what is God going to do about human evil. Now, we usually ask that question from the other side. Why is God a God of judgment? But that's not been the luxury of most Christians, most people throughout the ages. Most Christians throughout history have had to ask the question, what's God going to do? How could a good God allow all this evil? What's he going to do about all this evil? And all justice, all right and wrong, is rooted in who god is our sense of right and wrong is rooted in creation itself because the very first word in this psalm is yahweh the i am O lord yahweh the i am based on who god is is this reality of justice and we call evil evil because of who god is we have this sense of evil we have this sense of right and wrong a sense of justice a sense that something needs to be done when evil is done to somebody. There has to be justice. That comes from the fact that we're created in God's image. The I am is not... Passionless. He's not emotionless. He's not stoic. He's not aloof. He's not emotionally removed from his creation. It's the opposite. He is involved emotionally with every aspect of his creation. He really cares in an infinite kind of way. The God that created this universe, as vast as the universe is, is also as vast as his emotion and his caring about his creation. So let me read some, some verses here. The first half of this psalm, I'm just going to read it kind of in one swoop because we're going to come across psalms like this all the time. You really can't read through the psalms and not come across psalms that are talking about God being a God of vengeance and justice and, and dealing with the evil of others. And so it says, verse 1, O Lord, Yahweh, the I Am, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, Yahweh, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evil-doers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless, and they say the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people. Fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, Yahweh, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. So here we have this first half, and it's dealing with the fact. That God's people are being crushed by the arrogant, by the wicked, those who murder the fatherless, those who kill the widow and the sojourner. They live by their arrogant words. They pour out er their arrogant words, it says in verse four, all evildoers boast. And the psalm is asking, it's struggling with the God being a God of love, allowing this to happen to his people. And then there's people all over the world today. Right now, if you were a Christian in some parts of the world, you're experiencing exactly this. And your prayers are, are the prayers much like the first half here of Psalm 94. All throughout history, God's people have been crushed by the wicked and they've been defenseless. And so they're going to pray a prayer like this. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. How long shall the wicked get away with this? How long are you going to let them exalt? Rebecca McLaughlin writes in her book, Confronting Christianity, she writes in the last chapter, she says, the idea of the wrath of God seems alien to us, a psychologically damaging relic from a bygone era. But just as we cannot absolve people of moral accountability without also erasing their ability to love, so God's love and God's judgment cannot be pulled apart. Think of the anger you feel when you see school children shot, women raped, or people beaten because of the color of their skin. Think of your anger at the slave trade, the Holocaust, and global sex trafficking. When you analyze that anger, Its root is love. So she's she's dealing here with the idea that you cannot really have a God of love without having a God of wrath toward evil, because God loves the people that evil is being done against. So she goes on, and the more we love, the more easily our anger is kindled. We rush to defend our children from the least attack because we love them. Anyone who harms them inspires our fury. Imagine that this kind of love-motivated anger is so deeply entrenched in the heart of God that your own commitment to justice is like a drop in the ocean. That's the God that we read of in the Psalms, the, the God that the Bible calls holy, holy, holy three times in a repetition kind of way to emphasize His holiness. And His holiness is tied completely. It's inseparable to His love. Even the Lord's prayer, we're saying, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy be your name in my life. That your name would be seen and and regarded and praised and worshiped as holy in my life and on earth. And so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's kingdom comes, he will remove all all evil from the earth. So we can't pray, Lord, your kingdom come without implying the fact that God is going to bring an end to evil from the earth. But then he would also have to remove us if we really understand that our own heart is not a heart that we would want everybody to see every aspect of. We are always hiding and revealing ourselves in certain ways because we know we both have, we, we have both good and evil in us. Though we ourselves want justice on the earth when it comes to evil being done to those we love and things we care about, but we want grace when it comes to us. But evil is evil. If we cannot say evil is evil, then we cannot say love is love. We can't really understand God in Jesus dying on the cross without also understanding God's holiness and judgment of evil. So we're in this predicament where we want God to be a God of justice toward evil, but then we want God to be a God of grace toward our own evil. And I think that's where Psalm 94 comes in. Because when we understand the first half of this psalm and understanding God is a God of vengeance toward evil, God is a God of justice, when we understand that, then we can better understand God's grace in our own Lives and what he is doing with our sin and our sanctification are being made holy. We understand God's salvation better. So, verse 12 says, Blessed is the one whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. Law is a, a euphemism in the Bible for God's word. And so we understand what God is doing in our own lives when he is removing evil from us. He removes evil from us ultimately by putting us in Christ and Christ in us and putting our sin on the cross and the righteousness of Christ in us. But he is doing that experientially. He is doing that. He's transforming us, as it says in 2 Corinthians three, eighteen. He is transforming us even now from, from one degree of glory to another god is removing evil from our heart he is replacing it with his holy spirit's righteousness so blessed is the person whom you discipline god is doing things in our lives to wake us up to the destruction of evil and he is teaching us out of his word the the desire for righteousness that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness because it's it's only those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that will be satisfied jesus says in Matthew chapter five. So verse 14, for Yahweh, the Lord, the I am, will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. He's going to do something in us so that he removes evil from us, so that when he removes evil from the earth, he doesn't have to remove us from the earth. When he comes to establish his restored, renewed creation on earth in the kingdom of God. This is what God is doing in our life. So verse 17, if the Lord, if Yahweh, if the I am, by the way, that that word, the I am, is repeated over and over in this psalm. This entire psalm is based upon who God is as the I am, the source of all existence. The entire universe exists because of him, and he is the giver and author of all life. He is life itself, and he is always with us. And so because of who God is, we see evil for what it is, and we see his love and grace for what it is. If the Lord, it says in verse 17, if the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. I too would be removed from the earth. I too would be removed from life itself if God had not been my help. So verse 18, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, O Lord. Held me up. So think about this in your own life. When you're dealing with the issue of evil and the issue of sanctification, the issue of God transforming you from one degree of glory to another. When I thought, my foot slips, that could be I'm going to slip into sin. I'm going to slip into rejecting God in some way and choosing the promises, the false promises of sin more than the promises of all that God is for me in Christ. That's what sin is. When we choose to sin, my foot slips. When we slip into that kind of thinking, he says, your steadfast love, O Lord, help me up. The fact that you're listening to this podcast at least says you're in some state of mind where God's steadfast love is keeping you from fully slipping away. You're wanting God in your life. You're wanting to draw near to God in your life. He is not letting you slip away because of his steadfast love love for you. He's doing something in your life. He's disciplining you. He's teaching you out of his word. He's not forsaking you as his people. He's not abandoning you as his heritage. He is bringing you into his renewed, restored kingdom so that when he brings his kingdom on the earth, he doesn't leave you in the land of silence, but he is your help. He is the one who is bringing your soul into his kingdom. He's not letting your foot slip. His steadfast love for you is holding you up. So verse 19, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Think of what that verse just said. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. That comes right after your steadfast love, O Lord help me up when the cares of my heart are many your steadfast love your consolations cheer my soul this what you're doing in my life not letting my foot fully slip. This, what you're doing in my life, being my help, if you had not been my help, my soul would have soon lived in the land of silence. What God is doing in my life, he is not forsaking me. He's not abandoning me. He's bringing me into his heritage. He's bringing me into his kingdom. He's teaching me out of his word by all the ways that God teaches us by his Holy Spirit, through teachers, through his word. Blessed is the person "'whom you discipline, O Lord, blessed, happy, flourishing.'" God is doing something in our lives, even when we, we we sense that He's disciplining us, He's teaching us the false promises of sin in some way. He's doing that through disappointments. He's doing that through letting things slip through our fingers that we thought would bring us happiness, but they were ways that we were walking away from God into the false promises of sin. And then we get mad at God because something fell through, but that's really God blessing us. That's really God loving us. That's really God doing something that. That is a, in some way not forsaking us. He's not abandoning us into our sin, but he's bringing us into his heritage. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, the I am, Yahweh, O oh Lord. Your steadfast love held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations, your promises, your steadfast love, you're not forsaking me, cheer my soul. My soul rejoices in the fact that God is not forsaking me. Even though I could be driven away with the evil, God is not abandoning my soul to silence. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Verse 22 But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. It's God that has become my stronghold. Here's the thing I take refuge from God's wrath in God Himself. This is the whole thing of the cross, this is the whole thing of the gospel. That when God is going to bring judgment and wrath and vengeance and upon all evil, I know I have evil in me, and so I take refuge in Him. I walk not away from Him, not trying to hide from Him. I walk to Him. I walk into Him as my refuge and my stronghold from His anger and from His wrath. The Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. The forever God has committed himself to be my God forever. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to let my foot slip. His steadfast love is holding me up. When the cares of my heart are many, his promises cheer my soul. So I'm blessed when God, in any way he deems necessary, disciplines me. When he teaches me. That's because he is blessing me. He is bringing me into himself as my stronghold. He is being my God who is the rock of my refuge because his good will defeat evil forever. But he will save me because he has brought repentance in my soul so that I come to him rather than run from him. I take refuge in him rather than ignore him rather than be silent to him. I don't want to be silent to him because I don't want to be abandoned to the land of silence. I want to run toward God. And so I pray, blessed am I, I am blessed by you, Lord, the I am. You are the I am. You are the creator You are my creator. You created me to exist in your universe forever so that the forever God would be my God forever. And I am blessed when you discipline me. I don't like it, but I am blessed when you interrupt my path of sin. I am blessed when you intercept my foot slipping away from you. You intercept it. You interrupt it. You cause those promises to be seen sooner than later for what they are as empty promises, false promises. It upsets me because I had these hopes of the false promises of sin, but you interrupted it and you blocked it and you are disciplining me because you are blessing me. You are not forsaking me to the land of silence. You are not abandoning me, but bringing me into your heritage. And so I give thanks to you because you're blessing me when my plans fall through that are plans really of walking away from you, of slipping away from you in some way, you're intercepting it and bringing me back to you, back to you being my heritage, back to you being my promise, back to your steadfast love because of your steadfast love for me, this eternal commitment of love for me. You hate evil in my life because of your love. Because of your eternal commitment of love for me, you're removing evil from my life. Even now in this life, from one degree of glory to another, you're transforming me and you're holding me up and you're lifting my head and you're keeping my foot from slipping away from you. When the cares of my heart are many, I cast my cares on you because you care for me, your promises Cheer my soul and bring joy to me because I know that you're not abandoning me. I know that you're holding me and you're bringing me into your kingdom of steadfast love and into your kingdom of goodness and righteousness. You, O Lord, have become my stronghold. I've come to you and you are my fortress. You are my dwelling place. You are my stronghold. You are my safety. You are my security. Your promises are my joy and the gladness of my heart. I cast all the cares that are many in my heart. I cast them on you. And you cheer my soul because you are my stronghold. And my God is the rock of my refuge. You are my refuge. You are my safety. I come to you to hide from your wrath, to hide from your judgment to hide from your vengeance in the cross of Christ where you lift my head and you exalt me and you give me your righteousness and you bless me with all that you are for me in Christ. You, Lord, are my refuge. You are my stronghold. You are my God. The forever God is my God forever. And I give thanks to you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.